few observations from last night. Keen for yours as well. Overall, I guess the All Blacks would have to be fairly happy with that. Test number one every year, always a tricky proposition as combinations are reforged and that rust is shaken off. But aside from the first 15 to 20 minutes last night, the All Blacks were by far the better team out there. Six tries against a side that hardly ever concedes that many. Set-piece dominance leading to quick attacking ball, which they made the most of, and an overall performance with far more positives than things to work on. I thought the very end of the game told us a lot about the All Blacks because long after the Hooter had gone, their goal line defence was still fearsome and totally committed. Even though they knew they couldn't lose the game, they were desperate not to let Ireland score another try. And it's clear they were absolutely determined to throw off any suggestion that they can't and won't match the Irish physically during this series. The All Blacks scrum excellent, dominating that aspect of the game. That must be demoralising for the Irish, who pride themselves on set-piece dominance, or at the very least parity, which they didn't get. The All Blacks' line-out was good too, allowing Aaron Smith to deliver good, clean front football to Bowden Barrett. And just on Bowden, best player out there for me, his was the loudest voice, constantly talking to the players outside him and in continuous dialogue with Aaron Smith. Positional play, exemplary, always in the right place to field the kicks from the Irish and either kick it back or run it back. And he also came up with a pretty important intervention after 15 minutes. Johnny Sexton put a little grubber through that popped up for Gary Ringrose, who released the ball in the tackle for an on-rushing Jamison Gibson-Park, who would have easily scooted it under the post for a 12-0 lead. Instead... Bowden Barrett intercepted it, the chance was lost, and the All Blacks took control from there. Artie Savia, immense, the guy just doesn't know how to ease off. His second try, a thing of beauty. Won the ball at number two in the line-out, gave Aaron Smith good clean ball, and then as they swung across the field, he popped up in the line, took the pass, beat three defenders, sprinted away to score a try. Not too many loose forwards in the world score that try. And Geordie Barrett said afterwards, the number on Artie Savia's back doesn't really match the skills he brings to the game, which I thought summed it up beautifully. thought Quintu Pyre had a really good game for someone who probably wouldn't have played if David Havili didn't get COVID. Tight five were better than the Irish guys in the same numbered shirts. And just a word on Sever Reese, who ignited things with his runaway try and was busy all night. Crowd, atmosphere, superb. I was lucky enough to be down sideline for our commentary. 48,195 packed in. The Irish fans certainly added to the atmosphere. And even though it was obvious that they weren't going to win the game, they still to be enjoying themselves very much indeed. And I'm sure their spirits won't be dampened as the series moves to Dunedin next weekend and then on to Wellington. So assignment one, safely negotiated with a fair degree of merit as well. And All Blacks lost last night would really have set the cat among the pigeons. There would have been immense pressure on Ian Foster and his side. But the fact that they never really looked like being beaten means it would have been a fairly restful night for everybody connected with the All Blacks and a restless one for the Irish, who have plenty to do if they're to find a way back into this series. Jamison Gibson Park, away for Sexton, left-hand side for Ringrose. Low, intercepted by the All Blacks, away, and Steve Reese, over the 50, over the 10, over the 20. Steve says good night. From 90 away! Brody Retallick carrying strongly. Ball in midfield. 15 inside Irish territory. Artie Savia's broken through. Artie Savia cutting shapes. Cutting through. Artie Savia. Another one for the All Blacks. Going to rumble over the All Blacks line. This drive is better from the Irish. Then the All Blacks counter drive and push them back. And that ball might be trapped in there. Can Ireland dig it out? They cannot. They cannot get it out of there. And the All Blacks pack, congratulated by their back line.
And that is the full-time whistle. A four-try blitz in 20 entertaining second-half minutes have delivered the All Blacks a 1-0 lead over the Irish. 42-19 full-time in Test 1. That is the voice of our rugby editor and league commentator, Elliot Smith, who joins us in studio now. That was fairly enjoyable last night. It was, wasn't it, Piney? And a very good start to the All Black season. A lot of pressure throughout the, the course of the week, both not self-imposed, I suppose, but getting COVID, that, that they had to navigate those hurdles, but also the external pressure. This has been a test that everyone's been looking towards for um, a number of months now, since that result in, in, in Dublin. A lot of pressure, been circled on the calendar, this three-test series against the Irish and they delivered. Um, they didn't deliver for the full 80 minutes. There's plenty to improve for the weeks ahead, but I thought it was a strong start to season 2022. Given they hadn't had a warm-up game, uh, I think that's got to be a, a real uh, pass mark in the All Blacks books. So key factors for you behind New Zealand's win? I think the set-piece dominance um, has to be uh, the big one because this much-vaunted Irish pack um, wasn't able to take control of the game. Very, very good uh, front row. Porter, Sheehan, and also Tyke Furlong, who on his day is one of the best players in the world. But they just weren't able to assert their dominance uh, at scrum time. The All Blacks were able to do so, got some scrum penalties. Um, I thought the Irish um, yeah, 6 and 7, Omani and Van der Fleer, had good games. But they were probably let down by the other members of their full-back. I don't think the locks at, at, locked at, at, sorry, at line-out time were able to get the clean ball they would have liked. I think Kaylin Doris, who had a good game in Dublin last November, also had a quiet one. So the All Blacks were able to wrestle them there and get the results that they wanted to. Um, the Irish will be looking at that and going, that's that's the basis of our game. How do we improve that as we head to Dunedin uh, next week? The other one, of course, being a real turning point. You mentioned it there, Bowden Barrett taking that intercept, but also uh, Severice's intercept as well. The Irish had chances to go 12 nil up, maybe more, with a couple of tries there. And maybe if they get to that advantage, we're talking about a different game uh, at lunchtime today. As it was, the All Blacks flipped the narrative. They they went from being 5-0 um, you know, down to eventually being 12-5. And we know they got out of sight by half-time, 28-5. But there were moments, but for James Lowe perhaps slipping over uh, in that intercept, where Ireland uh, could be a couple of tries ahead uh, after the half-hour mark. So do Ireland take heart from that, that they're, that they're not a million miles away? I think they have to. Uh, look, 42-19 I think is a wee bit flattering for the All Blacks in terms of, of the scoreboard. Hearing from Andy Farrell uh, last night, they had a few issues with the breakdown officiating by referee Carl Dick and also their set piece as well. Um, some of the, the They weren't quite happy with the officiating. But the fact that they were able to get over across the All Blacks line, I think it was five, maybe six times. Yes, two or three of those denied by the TMO or a, a knock-on, but they were able to breach the line. The All Blacks goal line defence did really stand up for, for periods of that game, but I think if Ireland go, look, we, we pushed close to the All Blacks line uh, on three occasions that they weren't given, um, all of a sudden it becomes a much tighter rugby game next week in Dunedin under the roof. Weather won't play a part. They didn't play much of a part last night, you'd know, being on, on the ground floor of Eden Park. But I think they do have to take heart that if they can uh, cut some of those errors out of the game and play like they did in the opening 20 minutes, then they're a real chance. Did Andy Farrell have a point last night with some of his, uh, not complaints necessarily, but some of his you know comments about the officiating? Um, I don't think it. Um, I don't think he had a, a huge point. I think the All Blacks were out muscling them at that breakdown. I think they played at a ferocity and speed that the Irish probably weren't used to and didn't see in Dublin last November. So when you're seeing different pictures to what you might have expected, then that changes the narrative in your own mind about so why are we being penalised for the same things that we did last November and didn't get penalised for. So I think that certainly plays a role. Uh, I think it's fair to say referee Carl Dixon was whistle happy. There was 24 penalties uh, last night. He, he gave 
gave out 31 in the All Blacks Italy game last year. So he doesn't mind a blast of the whistle, uh, Carl Dixon. But I don't think there was much to um, complain about from an officiating perspective from Ireland. A lot of those errors are ones they need to tidy up uh, themselves. And, and Andy Farrell should be safe in the knowledge that they aren't actually that far away, I don't think. So what about the All Blacks then for Test 2? Uh, you know, it's only Sunday, but... Uh I presumably, Will Jordan comes back into the squad. So does Jack Goodhue. So does David Harvili. So what might the All Black selectors look to do with the team for next week? Yeah, that's intriguing. And look, Will Jordan, I'm not sure, will be back for, for this next test. Sam Kane seemed to hint during the week that he may be out until test three, given the, the day tested positive and uh, all those sort of protocols and the bulk of the All Blacks training week being the um, uh, the Tuesday-Thursday training session. So a question mark on them. I, I suspect David Harvili might come back into uh, the starting midfield for, for Quinta Pye. Maybe he drops back to the bench and Braden Inor uh, departs the squad and um, or maybe might see Jack Goodhue perhaps get a bench spot uh, as well. So I think Will Jordan would come back in on the, the right wing if he is, of course, cleared fit. Otherwise, I think Severis had a strong game uh, last night and Leicester fighting Anuku didn't do much wrong as a, as a first uh, test for uh, an All Blacks left winger. So I suspect the back line will largely remain uh, intact maybe for Havili. And you look at the full pack and go... Scott Barrett, this uh, so-called experiment at uh, blindside flanker paid off. He topped the tackle charts. I think he missed a couple, but um, he was imposing, I thought, around the park. Uh, I know there's been some social media footage of a a certain uh, clear-out that um, seemed to hit the head of an Irish player. We haven't heard anything more on that at this point, but perhaps the All Blacks might be sweating uh, on that one. But I think they've seen enough there to give them another shot come uh, next weekend, unless they want to drastically change their game plan. I don't know why they would. Uh, I suspect Scott Barrett will get another start on blindside. And what about integrating the new caps in? We saw Fainga Onuku and uh, Sobakula last night. How do they get Roger Tuivasa-Shek involved, Stephen Petafeta, Falau Fakatava, uh, Aidan Ross? How, mm. how do they get these guys involved? Well, I think the best case scenario is they win in Dunedin and then can bring them via the bench perhaps in Wellington. I think, especially with Roger Tuivasa-Shek, they could have brought him in this week. They clearly didn't want to because Braden Enor, who wasn't in the squad at the start of the week, uh, came in and, and wore the jersey uh, number 23 last night. I do wonder whether they might look to give Falau Fakatava a start under the... Sorry, not a start, but a bench spot under the roof in Dunedin. It's a ground he knows very, very well. That interchange with Aaron Smith works well under the roof in Dunedin. high pace sort of game. That may be a tweak we see on the bench if the All Blacks are willing to. Christie may drop out of the 23. I don't know that we'll see too many other new faces before we get to that third test. Ideal scenario is the All Blacks go 2-0 up uh, and they can afford to, not necessarily experiment, but blood some new players when they get to the capital. All right, looking forward to test two and three. Dunedin next Saturday, Wellington the Saturday after. Travel safe to Dunedin. We'll see you there. I'll pack my gloves. Thanks very much. (laughs) Cheers. Elliot Smith there, who is uh, looking after our rugby, of course, here at Newstalk ZB, our rugby editor match commentator. with his views.